Places, places, we've got a show to make here. Is Chris ready? Yes. Okay, everyone, in three, two, one, and... Coming to you live from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's the Great Movie Radio Show, a movie talk podcast starring Chris Schneider. Hello everyone and welcome to the Great Movie Radio Show. This is Chris Schneider coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Coming to talk to you about movies with my friend who I got a chance to work with at the Great Movie Ride during his college program yes, and indeed. has returned to the Florida domain for the foreseeable future. Uh, welcome to the show, Jesse Teckenton. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, man. It's been a... Uh, been a while since we've seen each other, other than uh, talking about the show, and I think you stopped by recently uh, to hang out, yeah. and uh, we were just chatting about things, so uh, it's good to have you on. Before that, though, I haven't seen you, it, it had been a few years since you worked the movie ride for your college program. I was going to say, I, I did movie ride 2013 through 2014, and I want to say you were still there when I uh, left in 2014. I was. I'm, okay. And then I was going to say, between that... Uh, I remember seeing you the day that it closed in I was, 2017, yeah, I, and then I think that before, like literally the last few weeks, that was the last time. That I was seen it. You. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of a lot of uh, the riders, the last time I've seen was uh, the last day, and I wrote it so many times. Oh, everyone and, was and, there. Yeah, Juan Carlos, who was here uh, last episode, and you you happened to be here a little bit. Yeah. Before. We had a little round table. That was fun. We haven't got to do that yet, so that was fun. Uh, Last time I seen him was uh, maybe probably the last day. I might have ran into him like at Disney at some point, but other than that, most of you I've only seen like the last day, and I feel bad because mm-hmm. it's like I need to see you guys more. I miss you. Well, I was and, gonna say I feel like everyone who works here in yeah. Florida, especially if they're working at Disney or Universal, has that Disney or Universal schedule that can yeah. be anything. So we're all over the place. Yeah, but it's uh, it's nice, and that's what I've been enjoying about doing the show is I'm getting to revisit with you guys and catch up and, and talk about things that we talked about while working at the yeah. ride, and, and like I said, celebrating the ride, and we get to have a good time. And it's it's been such a fun journey. I can't believe we're. I don't even know how many episodes we're in now by the time we're recording this, but it's <laughs> it's like we're like eight or nine episodes in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was not expecting it to take off like it has. So this has been really a really great opportunity and a, and a nice chance for me to catch up with you all. Yeah. And kind of have one on ones or well one on two, like like I said, the round table that was not in the cards originally. Uh, to talk to you guys about you know working on and having fun with and and times that we would sit down and be like, you know. Remember this part of the ride? I would do something different here, and mm-hmm. and, and and put our version in, and it's it's so much fun. Um, it's it's been it's been very intriguing to hear all the different versions of uh, the scenes, and, and uh, I think my favorite so far has been uh, Juan Carlos said that we should dress up as Michael Myers. 
Or, that, or the idea came up as playing for, Michael Myers. For the old Anubis scene. For the old Anubis scene. I was like, uh, yes, please. I was going to say, as a person who actually hasn't seen Halloween, oh, you I, st- I still think that that would be amazing. Uh, that would be great. That. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just, I, the idea of leaning out of the uh, uh, whatever, I guess, closet that would be there, the instead of the Anubis chamber, it would be just a closet in the bedroom and then just kind of leaning out of it and just halfway being seen. And scaring the crap out of people before taking the bandit or gangster and then taking all the mask and the the cloak off and be like, surprise, it's me. And, and they would be like, huh, you killed that guy. And now you're taking it. Just, I don't know. It's, it's very cynical to me. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, we're going to visit your favorite films before getting on the track because I, I always love talking favorite movies with my guests. Uh, it's really fun to hear um, what's uh, inspired them. Uh, throughout the year. So your first one is one I have seen. It's been a long time, probably high school for me, so about oh, okay. 15 years. Uh, Spirited Away. Yes. With Studio Ghibli film. Um, everyone holds it in such high regard, but it it's deserves every bit of it because it's such a beautiful film. And everything that Ghibli um, has done and Miyazaki has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the artistic value, the story... Uh, the essence that, that captures you and, and brings you into this fantasy realm. They are such wonderful stories, and I've enjoyed every single one I've seen of theirs. Probably haven't seen them all, but well, I, I've yeah, tried to point, catch them when I, I can. There's they're, a they're lot in the of teens them. or in the twenties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what 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 about Spirited Away makes it your I guess your favorite? I think that it's my favorite just because. It's got the perfect blend between it being a fantastical adventure and a coming-of-age story for a kid, which uh, I saw this, I think, when I was 10 or 12, around the age that Chihiro is um, in the film. But it's this perfect blend of both uh, an unknown fantasy world and the adventures that uh, could come from that um, as a young child, as well as being so innately human and the details that Miyazaki puts into it um, that just make... Apart from the environment and everything, you 100% believe in the characters and relate to them on levels that you don't even consciously realize sometimes. Because yeah. there are just so many little nuanced details of even just things like how they carry themselves or words and phrases that they say. Um, he just captures so unbelievably well. And then getting into the fantasy world of the the bathhouse for the spirits, which is the, the main arena where Spirited Away takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, is just such a incredible world, and so much of the um, the lore and stuff is both related to Japanese culture, but also um, comes from moments in Miyazaki's life as well. And he's put, and I think that it's him putting that um, inspiration. It's a personal touch. It, the personal touches in the in his films are what makes them come across and make them become so endearing and timeless to his audience and have let him touch so many people with it. They're, they're wonderful films. And I, and I also love, because I was just looking it up, came out in 2001, Spirit Away. I love that it's two hours, which mm-hmm. you think sounds, oh, fine. Animated movies, especially nowadays, hit about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. On average. Well, in Studio G- I was going to say Spirited Away is this way, and pretty much all the Studio Ghibli films are. At this age, this was 2001, so you did have things like Monsters, Inc. and mm-hmm. Toy Story and stuff had, had come out. Um, you, this was still all hand-drawn exactly. and hand-cell animation. There was a couple of little areas where they did CGI, but it's also just the, the mastery of doing everything still by hand with pencil and with ink. is. And so for, for, for you to hand-draw a film, 
and it run the run time that it does mm-hmm. for two hours, that is incredible. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you sat at a computer and made an animated feature and put it out at an hour and a half, I mean, that's the average nowadays. We're mm-hmm. used to it. The intention span of a child, sure. But these, these movies are a little bit, I don't want to say mature, but they, they hold, they're not your basic average children's kids movies no absolutely there there there's a lot more to them and they do have that aspect to mm-hmm. them but there, there's a lot more uh thought put into them yes i feel and for it to run that long and to have so much detail put into it the way it is mm-hmm. it is and a lot of the ghibli films are like that they, they have yes. the long run time they're handled it's so well, but also a lot of the the studio ghibli films are um some of them are specifically meant for children. Things like My Neighbor Totoro, exactly. which we may talk about later on the list, um, is very much meant for children. It can be appreciated by any age, but it is specifically tailored for that. Spirited Away falls in the genre between... I mean, it's, it's truly aimed at the kids who are in the 10 to 12 range, who are reaching that independence and are starting to kind of explore and come into their own person mm-hmm. instead of just doing everything that their parents say or whatever. Yeah. It, it, it holds... Uh, I think a higher regard to itself more than some of these these animated films are, and a, and a lot of them have a lot of spirit and um, and passion to them. But I, I do feel that sometimes some of these animated features are just made to make a buck, mm-hmm. whereas some of these uh, some of them like like the Ghibli films. Mm-hmm. You know, I hold other movies into the same uh, esteem as as them. I feel that. They have so much depth to them that I, 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 I don't even consider them animated features. I mean, they are, but I consider them so much more. No, well, and absolutely. And I remember um, before I moved out here um, with my family, like my siblings and I loved these films growing up and my parents hadn't seen them at all. So for, for a while, we were kind of slowly introducing them and doing like family movie nights and there were multiple times while watching them that either during, if we had to pause it or whatever for a bathroom break, my mom or my dad would be like, oh, I, I forgot I was watching an animated movie. Like, I just thought that I was watching a movie, basically, even though yeah. very clearly, stylistically, it's it cartoon. is. cartoon, yeah, yeah. But you, you believe in it, and there's there's enough substance to them and enough nuance and everything that you, you forget. You're just transported immediately by... by both the visuals and the the content. I I agree with you so much. And I I can say the same for the next film on your list, which uh, you already know I'm about to go crazy about. But you put The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. uh, You specifically uh, specifically said Fellowship of the Ring. Yes. I'm sure you love all of them. I do. And I basically love all of them equally. Fellowship to me is just maybe a hair in front. Um I was telling Juan Carlos, I actually consider them to be one film. And I based absolutely on the way, respect that. Because of the way they were filmed simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But the Fellowship of the Ring was, I love it as much as I do. It's probably not my favorite of the trilogy, but I, I appreciate it as much as I do because it set the tone for the other two so mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. as far as the cinematic background. Because, I mean, the books, you have the books that you're relying on, first of all, but then you're adapting these masterpieces mm-hmm. of fantasy storytelling that have been out for decades upon decades and Tolkien was one of those things that if you if you mess up his work <laughs> you got a lot of angry angry book fans that yes. are coming after you yes. so you can't really do that and unfortunately when the hobbit came out that kind of happened uh 
but at the time, Peter Jackson was given full control of this, and mm-hmm. he he showed everybody that he could make the unmakeable because everyone thought Lord of the Rings was unmakeable. Yes, and the fact that they are not only makeable, but he made them such masterpieces individually. And I was going to say Return of, the, Return of the King won Best Picture. That's quite a crown. Yeah, uh, but all three of them are just so good. Um, what about Fellowship? Sticks out to you that what's that hair between the others? So I guess. to me, the hair is that you still have, to me, some of the most exciting action portions mm-hmm. of the entire trilogy. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say that Helm's Deep and that eventually the battles of Gondor for the entirety of Middle Earth are not exciting, but things like the Balrog encounter, things like oh, yeah. the the tension and everything that you get from running away from the Black Riders, both when it's just one and then up to you have the full nine chasing Arwen and Frodo. It gets intense uh, when they come out of the trees, though, because, yes. yeah, you have, like, two or three after them, and then all of a sudden all of them are there, and you're like, oh, okay. So to me, that still has some of the best action moments, Yeah, but then you also get to see some of the, the nicer and the gentler sides of Lord of the Rings, and I absolutely love uh, hobbiton and the oh, yeah. the whole series of that and uh growing up the hobbit was my favorite book and it was literally just the first chapter of that and kind of getting to see what hobbits are as creatures and everything the peter jackson so perfectly captured that in the film and i also think that just fellowship it gives you the perfect amount of it's it's truly still character driven over story driven in some cases and you Immediately, I mean, given the film is three hours and three hours and 45 minutes, if you're actually watching the proper version, the, the yeah. extended, um, you you immediately get and you have such a big foundation of the character development, the character relationships, and, you're, and it lays such perfect groundwork that it makes the next two films as exciting and as good as they are. And to me, if you don't have that proper launch platform, it can cheapen out everything else. But... And, and it is the only film and book. That has the fellowship together. Yes. So you have all nine yes. plus you know other characters. Um, I agree with you that it spent a lot of time building up the characters. What I appreciate about how much time they spent in the Shire with Frodo and, and, and Sam and all of them before taking the journey is I felt like they wanted to to display the innocence mm-hmm. of Hobbit yes. as yes. much as they could. So as soon as the journey started and it got real and everything turns out the way it does, mm-hmm. that you you feel just as weighed down as he does taking this burden on. Yes. And going through yes. everything he went through. Because he is, you know, humans are violent and greedy creatures, and, you know, everyone in the Shire, all the hobbits, they are just, there is no sense of, I mean, there's a little bit of greed with the Saxville Bagginses and stuff like that. Everyone's got it. But as far as, like, I guess a race goes, there's no it's real it's a section of middle earth that's kind of remained untouched exactly and the innocence is there and and i i really felt that he had that uh visually he had to visually show you and bring you into that and then be like all right just when i have you we're taking the journey now and Mm -hmm. and uh, Fellowship was, like you said, not all the action that Two Towers and Return of the King had, but it was enough to, um, it, it, it was, it got the ball rolling, it got the journey going, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like, you thought that was bad. Yes. Wait till Two Towers and Return yes. of the King. 
because there is a lot mm-hmm. that is about to happen. The, the The story has just begun. Was really that that mm-hmm. last thing as as Frodo and Sam are climbing out the other side of the river down to the mountains before the two towers starts. Um, it, it, I could go on for Lord of oh, the Rings. We, we both could. I, yeah. I think we've spent more time on just your favorites. I haven't even got to the track yet, so we should probably do that. But I will say you also have uh, Star Wars A New Hope, Fantasia, and Memoirs of a Geisha uh, mm-hmm. as your other three on your top five. So I feel like I absolutely needed to include a Star Wars because Star Wars has kind of been so impactful and so much on my life. And honestly, what Star Wars sat in that place mm-hmm. flipped multiple times before I'm sitting here. Um, I mean... It's not a bad place to be. No, it's it's absolutely not, and I think that I ended up going with A New Hope in this case, just because it is the first Star Wars, and it, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the uh, the hero's journey and stuff, but it so perfectly lays out the steps. Do you know about the hero's journey at all? Uh, what do you mean? So, the hero's journey is, um, it goes back to mythology of, it's basically, um, so many stories, both in films, books, and everything, all have a similar plot and it's broken down to a series of steps and um i can show you i'm showing you on my phone or whatever but um it breaks a story down into you have a call to an adventure um sometimes with a supernatural aid threshold guardian and then from the call to adventure you have your hero ultimately launch out on their adventure typically with the aid of a mentor or a helper um with that there are challenges and temptations that ensue it continues going it, Sorry, we might, we may end up cutting all of this out, and that's totally fine. <laughs> no. um, but Star Wars is literally almost the word-for-word parallel of the hero's journey. Yeah. Um, with that, and Episode Four particularly lays that out so well. Yeah. I just like we just slightly derailed this a little. Maybe bit. That's okay. it's okay. We can. I mean, we don't even need to talk about Star Wars honestly because we will be talking about it later. We will be talking about it later, or at least another episode. So. Uh, we're going to get on the track before we we get too far off. Uh, we're uh, we got a we got a vehicle off track. We need uh, we need maintenance. <laughs> we may go 101. We might. So uh, going on the track, your favorite musical is one that's already on the ride. Yeah. Uh, Singing in the Rain, yes. a classic. Everyone who rode the ride loved going I loved going by and just kind of swaying my head and being Oh, Singing in the Rain just as a movie is perfect golden age musical for everyone. You have the excitement of like the making of the movie and you have romance. You have some of the best musical numbers and dancing performance. It literally just has everything um, as well as a compelling story and everything. I probably didn't need to go into this much detail, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. No, no. It's this is This is as much as we're looking for. I mean, I... It being on the ride, it's one of those where it's really hard to replace what's already there considering mm-hmm. it's on your list. Well, and if, if I were to make this as a scene, I would probably end up keeping the Gene Kelly keeping because it. that's the most iconic. I wouldn't be opposed to Donald O'Connor doing Make Him Laugh because yeah. that's also such an iconic number, but I think we would keep Gene Kelly in his lamppost. What, do you, uh, what would you say about your second favorite musical, which is Chicago? So for Chicago... Um, as a film, I don't think that you could get away with not doing the cell block tango because of how iconic that piece is that's, to that. That's the one that's most that's, known for you. Yeah. It's so well staged um, in both the movie and in the musical. But I, Chicago as a movie is actually, um, 
having seen both uh, adaptations on stage of Chicago as well mm-hmm. as seeing the movie, I think that actually the movie musical is better than the stage musical and flows wow. better as a story and as a piece altogether. Yeah. Um, but no, definitely if we were putting this on the ride, it would be cell block tango. You would have the multiple rows of jail cells with the red lights silhouetting the probably animatronic figures of the, the different women in a death row doing their little dances and poses. <laughs> uh, and uh, Renee Zellweger just uh, won an Oscar. Which, uh, you know, Judy Garland, of course, Wizard of Oz. So it's, uh, it's nice to see that she's still getting some recognition. She took a little while off acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I want to say that and Bridget Jones' Diary are like the two most well-known movies that she's done uh, since before making her, I guess, comeback or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Um I haven't seen Chicago fully, but I have seen that scene because, like you said, it's a staple of musicals. Yes. And every time that there's like some kind of montage or um, anything on movies and it sets toward the musical, you tend to see that scene. Oh, there, that, it, that, yes. that is the yes. one that and, always And shows. there are so many parodies of it in pop culture. There really is. Um, we're going through the doors and we're going into Crime Alley, which um, this time around... It's not so much the mob movies, but you definitely touched a crime one. So I'm sure we'll find a way to put this in here because Leonardo DiCaprio is running from us and we're going to try to catch him if we can. Yes, hopefully Uh, Carl Hanratty can do the job. (laughs) Tom Hanks was so great in that. I I love that movie uh, very much and I just recently saw it for the first time. For the first time? For the first time. I, I don't, I don't know. I, it took me a while. I'm playing catch up on a lot of movies. I mean, I am as well, and people are shocked to know that. Like, I have, I've, I've seen hardly any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's one of my, I mean, biggest uh, weaknesses in the film department. I feel like for for pop culture at yeah, least, it's not completely uh, everyone's cup of tea. The MCU, and that's com- that's perfectly it's fine. Not, it's not that I dislike it. It's more that uh, superhero movies don't always interest me uh, as much as I feel like they could or should there are obviously a lot of exceptions um because i love guardians of the galaxy and oh those uh, are those are the best guardians i love those uh with catch me if you can (laughs) yeah we've already derailed from that it's okay it's okay um leo he's of course running from the fbi he keeps coming up with multiple uh identities and tom hanks is hunting him down Mm -hmm. and steven spielberg came out with this movie in 2002 and crafted this genius um film of pretty much he was just dodging the authorities based on changing his identity over Mm -hmm. and over and outsmarting them and he it even went to the point where he was calling them and and kind of like calling their bluff almost Mm -hmm. and these are based on true events yes um and then i don't want to spoil the movie for you if you're like me and have not seen it up until recently or, or now uh but it's 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 pretty great to see the the outcome and the the turn of events that occurs with Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, I really enjoyed this film and Spielberg. Just everything he does, mm-hmm. every time we've talked about it, he is always on top of his game with his filmmaking, mm-hmm. and he's one of the best storytellers of our generation. Yes, if not the best storyteller mm-hmm. of our generation. I think that this may be my favorite cat and mouse film. Uh, it, it, I mean, having recently seen it, it certainly, 
it, it'll be a new addition to the list, but it's mm-hmm. definitely on mine too. Yeah. Well, I think that part of what makes it so nice is that it's one of the few, or I shouldn't even necessarily say one of the few films, but um, you're kind of almost equally rooting for Frank Abagnale Jr. to get away with it, as well as for Tom Hanks to catch him. Yeah. Like You kind of, you, you appreciate each character in their own right. It's kind of like you're standing in the middle of a tug of war and you're rooting for either of them. Yes. It's and you as the yeah. audience are always happy. Exactly. No spoilers, but... Exactly. No, I. Uh, the outcome of the movie was wonderful. Loved every bit of it. Do you have a scene that you would so, put in? So, uh, like, actually, while we've been saying all this, I'm like, oh, what is, like... Because typically I feel like Movie Ride, you do the most iconic scene. But to me, the image that keeps jumping into my mind is uh, him when he's taken on the identity of the airline pilot. I was thinking the um, same thing. And whether that's him surrounded by the, the flight attendants or having them kind of like staged and how all the police officers are only looking at them and not him and he's able to escape to Paris because of that. Or the other image that I keep seeing is, um, again, I don't know how you could stage this, is with the bathtub and how yeah. he has like the 50,000 models of the plane that he had to keep taking the, the labels sticker, off of. the labels yeah. off of to put on his checks to make them work. I don't know if that, that wouldn't quite work, but I think it would be him with the... I like that idea too because if we were going to go the gangster route this round, you could have him ducking into them. Maybe as an imaginary Easter egg, you have like the door half open, you can see the planes. See the yeah, and then he could he could actually take the ride. Mm -hmm. Hey, get get out of here! I gotta go. And then like we're his getaway car to get away from Tom Hanks' Mm -hmm. character. That would that would that would would, if we were doing gangster route, yeah, that would probably work. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you, listening to the great movie radio show starring Chris Schneider. I don't want anybody to get hurt, so don't go moving around until this Movie Talk podcast comes back. Capiche? Warning. Remain on this podcast. The advertisement you are experiencing is extremely dangerous. Proceed with caution. The heat's on, see? Which means it's time for Chris Schneider, host of the great movie radio show, to get back to work. I gotta lay low myself. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode of this Movie Talk podcast. Do it, or else, if you know what I mean. All right, we're back, and we've just been taken by Leonardo DiCaprio or someone posing as this character from Catch Me If You Can, which uh, isn't necessarily a, a mob movie, but it, it's in the crime genre, definitely, yes. and we're uh, we're going to let it go this time. I mean, we've, we've Sorry, already been taken... I haven't seen that many mob films. <laughs> I mean, I have some, but... I mean, you have quite a few good ones on here. Scarface, Public Enemy, mm-hmm. uh, Pulp Fiction, and Baby Driver. It's a great list, but uh, Catch Me If You Can is such a fun movie that I, I wasn't going to just let it slide. And I, I kind of like the idea of... We're the getaway car, mm-hmm. which we were from the get-go at Gangster Alley. So this it, it holds that same spirit. Yeah. That it, we're the getaway vehicle, so we're, we're I, I like where it's going. Um, so Leo is taking us into Western, uh, with 310 to Yuma, which is one I have somehow have never seen. Don't judge me, whatever. <laughs> I just have, I've never come across this movie, uh, to, to finally sit down and watch it. And I, I need to, but, uh, what about it uh, stands out to you? If, if I may ask. Yeah, to me, it's, it's a fun 
action film. It's a fun, just action cowboy film. Um, the the dynamic that you have with the characters. Uh, I'm I'm also referring to the uh, the one from 2007 with you Christian are. Bale. Okay, and Russell, I was going to ask Crow. if you were I know that about there is it. that there is the older one. Um, but it's one that you you do have a likable a likable villain Ben Wade. Um, and while they're taking him into custody to try to eventually take him and get him on the the three ten to Yuma train. Mm-hmm. Um, you you get to see the dynamic, and you get to see him kind of in, even though he's in captivity, play with uh, the other like cowhands basically who are who are taking him in, uh, kind of not quite in a Hannibal Lecter way, but almost in some seeing the dyna- the I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I was actually gonna say I was looking up the movie, and I can't believe that I have gone this long without knowing James Mangold directed it. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, brought us the wonderful Logan mm-hmm. movie and recently did Ford vs. Ferrari, which was such a good movie. I still and, ha- I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale's chemistry together was was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, almost slightly outdone by Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, who's taking us hostage right now anyway. so <laughs> But Mangle, no, Mangle's a great director, and I... I I uh, I didn't know he did that film, so I'm kind of more intrigued now. And then, of course, Christian Bale is in this. Russell Crowe is a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely gonna have to sit down and watch this movie soon because I'm I'm highly surprised that I've missed it this long. Um, do you have a scene in the film that you can so, think of? That yeah, yeah. So the scene that I would probably do from this is um, when they finally get to the town i think it's contention city where Mm -hmm. uh, the train is supposed to arrive at 310 the following day they're holed up basically in a hotel and um ben wade's posse rides into town and catches them and so i think that as the vehicle is coming through you would have uh charlie prince who's his second in command come Mm -hmm. out and basically says they've got ben wade up there i will give 50 dollars to anyone in this town who will help me take him back and so you literally have basically the entire town rise up with their guns because it's middle of the West and they're poor. Oh. Uh, and so you literally have Christian Bale and trying to get Russell Crowe to the train uh, Which, against we... the entire town of, I mean, it's only 50 people or something, but that still is a lot for one person and someone in handcuffs to uh, take out. So I think that uh, scene-wise, having the vehicle come through and having Charlie Prince offer that, and then you have ton of animatronics Couple rise up with guns and then it's, it's well, a plus one there too yes yes uh, another fun route that if we had taken a bandit show this round mm-hmm. um we could have been the getaway for russell crowe and christian bale's characters Correct. this round or, or at least one of them like one of them could have it would have almost been like a double bandit i think you that, go out there well and, then it would work even more perfectly because as you're pulling up yeah. christian bale could think that you you are the 310 to yuma yeah and then be like wait what is this? And then, yeah, you have Ben Wade, Christian, uh, or uh, Russell Crowe's character. I know this movie, I promise. <laughs> Break away and take over the vehicle. We, yeah, we could be the 310. That would be fun. So it's, it's definitely got the, uh, I've been focusing on one or the other. But this round, it's almost like we could, we've got it programmed to be able to do both. So that's, that's really great. And even if uh, for back in Gangster, we're taken by Leo if we're a gangster, if we're a gangster car. Um, he could just miss us if we're going to mm-hmm. go on the bandit. 
and then take the one that's stopping. Yeah. So it works either way. Yeah. So that's this is probably the first time we've been thinking of both sides of the show. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. I really like that. Uh, I love the next one on your Western list. I'm just going to say uh, a quick word about it. Django Unchained. Yes. Phenomenal movie. Tarantino is my favorite director. I don't watch a lot of Westerns, but I loved what he did with this movie. And I loved that he included the original Django from the old Spaghetti Westerns mm-hmm. in this movie, even as just for a brief moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Tarantino loves to play homage to his inspirations in yes. this film. And and even by just bringing them in, like I'm kind of copying or not copying, but I'm I'm inspired by what you do with your character that I'm basing my people off of. Come be in my film, or for uh, Morricone, come make the music for my film. Mm-hmm. I love your music uh, from your movies that I've taken that from and put in my other films. Yeah, he is oh, he's such a great filmmaker, and I I love Django and Jane so much, mm-hmm. and uh, Jamie Fox. Uh, versus Leonardo Leo, Leo again, he's just he's a great actor. I was gonna say um, I don't actually think I realized how much Leo's popping up in my <laughs> film list. Uh, it, it yeah, I was gonna say you have quite a few of them uh, going on here, which yeah, is he plays such a love to hate villain. He really does, and, and you've never really seen many villain characters from him. Yes, um, if you don't count uh, with a man in the Iron Mask because he played yeah. the dual role in that one. Yeah, uh, but he. He, no, he's a wonderful actor, and I, I, I loved him taking the villain turn in Django Unchained, mm-hmm. and Jamie Foxx coming out on top and just pretty much showing showing all the white, white people what's up, pretty much. That yeah. is, needed it. Uh, so we're going to go, we're going to uh, continue through either as Leo's getaway car, getting out of Western, or as um, the 310 to Yuma getting out of the town and going into your sci-fi realm, which... This one's already on the right too, so I feel like we need to visit another one. Your top one is Alien. Yes. Uh, so and, I... one, and honestly, in all the discussions, I'll, I'll just say this: in all the discussions that we had backstage at Movie Ride, of like, oh, what would you change or put in in different scenes? Alien was always the one, even with people saying that it was dated, was the scene that if I could save one, that's what I would save. I agree. I I, I might change the presentation yes. of the scene. Yes. Like the ceiling alien, I might change his dynamic a bit. Um, but as far as everything that was included, mm-hmm. or I would at least update the presentation. Uh, yes. But I would not change a damn thing in that area whatsoever. Uh, I love Alien, and that that was my favorite section, and I wrote it the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, me too. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. I, I would like to say, though, uh, your next uh, sci-fi movie is one of my all-time favorites that, as a child, I was very as- bored with. Because I just, A, it was too smart for me, and B, it was just slow moving, and mm-hmm. I just needed to be older and more mature to get it, I guess. But Blade Runner yes. is your number two science fiction that I, I think we, we need to give Alien a break and uh, show some love. So what about, uh, what about Blade Runner for you, man? Well, Blade Runner is just such a work of art. And first of all, I'm also still kind of hung up on as a child. Yeah. It, okay. I, I was gonna say that's not a film for children. I mean, I was I was like twelve, maybe. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I was gonna say certainly at at that age it would probably just be boring instead of smart. But yeah. um, it's one where I'm I'm a sucker for dystopian worlds, and the dystopian world, the dystopian version of L.A. that they paint, is so fantastic. Um, the production design in that film is amazing. 
Um, but also just dealing with, uh, and I also, the other thing that I'm a sucker for is dealing with kind of what is human as nature, and mm-hmm. that's the whole thing that this film cruxes upon. What does is, it mean to be human? Is yeah. what does it mean to be human? And um, depending on the version of the film that you watch, I don't even know how many different versions, like five. Edits, there's five different yeah. edits of Blade Runner. Depending on the different version, you you ultimately have the question of uh, Harrison Ford is uh, Decker is Decker. is Decker a replicant himself, even yeah. though he he spends his life hunting down repli- and retiring replicants. Um, it was I I remember that being a thing. I yeah, so I saw that probably when I was like twelve or thirteen. I don't remember, and I was bored by it. But I I kind of told myself, I know I'm supposed to like this. Maybe someday. So in my 20s, I revisited it. And I watched it. I sat down and I watched... I watched the final cut. So I don't remember which version of it I watched when I was a kid. Because there's mm-hmm. five different ones. Yeah, I have all of them. There's like a box set that I, I picked up that has all the different versions. And I, I haven't sat down and watched every single one yet. I think I've watched three of them. And... There, there's very subtle differences in some of them, and then in other versions, there's a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. There's one with a kind of more of a narration, like you're inside the mind of Harrison Ford, and then there's one where it, it switches up the order and the editing of the film. Mm-hmm. Yet everything, maybe sans a clip or two, are there, mm-hmm. and it, it's just very strange to see this movie being touched up so many times throughout the years, mm-hmm. because Ridley Scott just wanted it to be perfect. But I feel that the final cut is the one that's mainly held in the highest regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the others have been watched throughout the years. And, of course, the, the movie as a whole is held as a cult classic yes. in the science fiction. And office. that's where I'm going to be honest. I'm actually not sure what version I've seen. Yeah. Because um, I think I've only seen the film two or three times. Yeah. Um, and and having them been years apart, I'm not sure if I've seen multiple versions or mm-hmm. if I've seen the same version multiple times. I think that at least one of them was the final cut, um, or what they consider the final yeah. cut. But I actually I was gonna go see it in the theater recently, and the theater um, they advertised that it was the director's cut. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is you think director's cut. Oh yeah, that's that's it. Well, the Blade Runner has a director's cut and a final cut. Yes. And so you would click on director's cut, and it would it would have you pick the showtime, and it said final cut. And uh, I understand that in most cases there's not a director's cut and a final cut, but for this one, for diehard fans, it's it you don't divide those two. Yes. So I ended up just staying home and watching the director's cut, even though I was like I wanted a chance to say I've seen two versions of it in the theaters because mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't alive when it came out originally. It came out in '82. Yeah, and uh, but it, the, the final cut came out. I want to say two thousand seven or so. So it's yeah, only been yeah. around for like thirteen years. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the most prominent. Ridley Scott said this is the version of his his ideal version of the film, or most ideal. Mm-hmm. And um, the sequel twenty forty nine actually hops off the final cut train, so it, mm-hmm. it continues from there. Um, and I love that. Um, the sequel never answered the question if he's a replicant or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the base, like you're saying, he nope. he was he he could be, and he's been hunting his own kind. Mm-hmm. One twenty forty nine spoiler, and you find this out literally in the first two minutes of twenty forty nine. 
uh, Ryan Gosling's Blade Runner is a replicant. Yes. And he's hunting his own yes. kind. And it, so it's they, they, they give you all these little subtle hints that uh, could they be answering the question? Are they answering the question? Or are they just their own thing? And then letting you still like off the hook on, well, what about what about Deckard? What is he? You know, mm-hmm. and and you, you don't know, and yes. and that's the beauty of it. It's just this mystery, that's that's still there. And and Ridley Scott has said he is, and Ridley Scott has said he isn't. Harrison Ford's been, been just like, whatever. <laughs> and I think that's the main draw to it. It's it's after two movies, and so much time since it's been out. It's still such a mystery, mm-hmm. but it's also right in front of you, and like Inception almost. Yes, that it's just up to your imagination, really. What's mm-hmm. going on? Uh, do you have a Do you have a part that you would put in? So, since you said you've only seen it a few times, mm, the well, and that's where the uh, the most iconic thing that I can think of, and it would be hard to to do. So I feel like you would almost just have a staging is. Uh, the chase through the market. Oh, um, that's a good one. With the where he it eventually ends with him shooting her falling through the like five the panes glass. of glass. Yeah, um, I I don't think that you could do that in a resettable way in the the alien space. So I don't know if that's something where you could stage her already broken through the glass. And... I mean, you could. I, I mean, I'm thinking about the layout of the ride already and what could just easily. I don't want to say easily be replaced because I mean mm-hmm. this is in our mind's eye. But if you think of that hallway where Alien is and the ladder's going down, mm-hmm. you could even have Deckard standing there with the gun and her already laying on the ground with the glass yes. around her. Yes. That would be, and that, that hallway is like that corridor of shops, and that could be a spot. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one um, because of how large Alien is, and Blade yes. Runner deserves another iconic scene. Personally, Tears and Rain is my favorite. Yes. The monologue Rooker Howard, actually improv for the film. Uh, you could almost have him... At the end, like Deckard's sitting on top of the building, and then Rooker Howard has the dove, and he's sitting there, and the animatronic of him is like petting the dove, and he's, you know, I've seen things you people would not believe. Oh God, it would just be the greatest thing, and I would mm-hmm. probably cry every time I'm on the ride because just the fact that I'm like in Blade Runner right there, I would, mm-hmm. I would love it. Um, kind of would almost. I'm not trying to take your thunder. I'm so no, sorry. I, just, no. I love the movie so much. I'm like, everything. Put everything in there. Just make a Blade Runner ride. I've, uh, had, I've had friends in uh, grad school who pitched an idea for a Blade Runner ride. Oh, I want to meet them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell me your ideas. I'm already in love. Uh, even like the spinners and like the smoke everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could have... Well, that's where... It, like, there's also just the very simple, iconic scene of the spinner in the rain. Yeah, coming like, down. Like, slowly lowering down. That's where I'm like, you could easily do that. Even if you just had... Deckard with the with the android already broken on the ground. You could have that, and then him on, over on the yes, kind of where the smoke comes out for Alien. Anyways, yes, yes I wouldn't get I'm to in. indulge your tears of rain that way, unfortunately. But you can still have it later. You can have it right near the end where all the foam, the foam. From wall that was. point on, it just becomes later. Right. <laughs> hey, Dexter! Dexter has come to visit us. He knows I love Blade Runner. He does. He heard. I don't know. What did you hear? He was talking about something. But uh, no, I, I love that movie so much, and I uh, I love that the sequel is almost its own standalone feature. If you want, if you haven't seen Blade Runner, it could be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Mm-hmm. But we're going to uh, <laughs> kind of want I kind of want him to release the dub at the end because if you have that little selection, and he, they just they just have to sit there. They don't even have to like move around, or they could just sit there. So it's like a little tiny spot. But if he releases the dove, and then we go into adventure, and a T Rex eats the dove, because <laughs> we're going into Jurassic Park. I'm sorry, I'm I'm weird. 
Uh, but no, that would be that would be funny. It'd be almost like the goat scene with the T Rex. Okay, well that that's the scene that I was <laughs> really? yes. where you originally yes. met the T Rex. And... So we're uh, so we're going into uh, where Indiana Jones would be in Raiders, and uh, we're we're going into Jurassic Park. The bad harmonica music here. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> or kazoo. Uh, the kazoo, yeah. But uh, no, I, I everyone loves Jurassic Park, and if you yeah. don't, then you need to stop listening. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a wonderful film, and uh, it was it's the first one I remember seeing in the theater. Wow. Um, I mean, I was probably like seven, but it's the first one I remember seeing in the theater. Um, what about what about you? What, what I wasn't born when the film came out. Tech, technically, I was gonna say it came out in '93. But yes, I was born in '93, but it yeah. was released in June, I, I think, and I was born in August. I was gonna say you were released so, in August. <laughs> I was released in August. Yes. Um, Jesse Tickington, the movie. Uh, no one would watch that. Um, You're married, no. of course they would. No, I was gonna say I'm, I'm so drawn to Jurassic Park partially because you, you have that good. Old, I'm I'm a huge fan of Michael Crichton yeah, as an author. I've he's probably my favorite author in his sci-fi works. I mean, Jurassic Park as a book is fantastic. It's very different from the Steven Spielberg film, and it would be a much darker and grittier and. Um, smarter film in some cases than uh, if, if you made it truly based off of the book but um, over the book I actually do prefer Spielberg's classic storytelling um, and bringing that world to life um, what I especially appreciate about Jurassic Park in this day and age and I apologize but because I'm a designer by trade I'm going to keep bringing it back oh, no. to the design is how to this day Jurassic Park is what now 93 so it's it's Almost 30 years. Almost 30 years old. To this day, the sequences in there where you have the full, the T-Rexes and everything, look more real than, to me, some of the Jurassic World CGI sequences look because they built animatronic dinosaurs and just kind of let them go wild in some cases and it was it, and they used early cgi as well but oh yeah the, the, the whole field when they're all looking on and that was all cgi yes but it was still good for 93 yes which you you didn't see that good of cgi well and it's it's largely because most of the sequences where they use the cgi dinosaurs they do with such stark contrast lighting mm -hmm. like if, for when you first see the t-rex the few scenes where you see that um, it's the darkness of night and then the like bright light of those flashlights. Mm -hmm. And so you have this extreme contrast. And back then the render engines could do that type of lighting. Well, it was when you had to do more realistic like when sunlight. they're running through the field. And Correct. That. Yeah. That's when it, that's when it shows some of the, oh, okay, you're not quite there, but you're, you're playing and you're dabbling. Yeah. It still um, looked great. Yes. It still, no, it still great. does. I mean, we didn't have a movie like it either. That explored like dinosaurs the way it did. I mean, you had mm -hmm. those really bad beam science fiction movies of like the I don't know. I'm this is just someone to throw out the the T Rex from uh, Titan or something, mm -hmm. and it's a freaking dinosaur that's from space, and it just looks like Godzilla. Yes, and you really didn't have a lot of big dinosaur movies that weren't animated, like I mean, their back or Dinosaur Story or or uh, in some cases you didn't have you did, but you didn't have creature films like this that had creatures that impressive i know that you've had multiple iterations of king kong oh yeah and they had uh there was the one in the 70s uh that was fairly impressive for how big the animatronic and mm -hmm. everything was but the technology for jurassic park had improved just enough that you had better speed 
uh, and with that more believability um, to your audiences. No, it, it was it, it was definitely a game changer for modern day cinema, especially uh, like you were saying, creature creature movies, and even even Godzilla that came out five years later in '98 with Matthew oh, Broderick yeah. and that horrible CGI for Godzilla. You look at the the T Rex in Jurassic Park, and you look at Godzilla, Jurassic Park any day, mm-hmm. and the thing came out five years prior. If that tells you anything, then yeah, Spielberg's a winner. That's all I gotta say. So the goat scene is your that I, I think that that would work best where where you originally had Indy and Sala lifting the ark. You would have the ten thousand volts uh, <laughs> fence with the uh, foliage and everything at night and. You could choose, uh, if it was me, you would have the T-Rex touch the fence, and then you'd have part of the fence break, and you would see the full oh. T-Rex there. Oh, my God. And, and you're like the car on the track of the Jeeps. <laughs> Crawling and it's right. at three oh miles an hour, God. which would make it even worse. <laughs> and, of course, you would scare the crap out of either Leonardo DiCaprio or Christian Bale from 310 to Yuma. <laughs> the T-Rex. Oh, man. This is great. I love this ride so much. That uh, worked well. It did. It did. So we're going to go into horror. And, uh, oh, we thought we had a bag for Jurassic Park. We're going to another Spielberg classic with Jaws. And uh, we got to somehow unload our bandit or gangster into a shark oh. or, or something like that. I promise just because I work for Universal, I'm not trying to turn this into a Universal <laughs> ride. But it, it apparently There's is naturally such happening. iconic movies. There is nothing wrong no, with that. No, they are. Hey, if, if I could say anything, your number two is Pirates of the Caribbean. And and then you have like Coraline and other movies on your on your horror and action. So, yeah, this is not just purely... Universal. It just, I think it's more Spielberg than yeah. anything. And plus, like you said, you're a design junkie, and yes, the, the the design on all of these are phenomenal. So it, you know, just strikes a chord with you. So, uh, so Jaws. What about that? When was the first time you saw it? Oh gosh, when was the first? So my parents wouldn't let me see it for a fairly long time because they had seen it at a young enough age that it mm-hmm. actually freaked them out from going to the beach. And with them both growing up in California, that was actually slightly problematic. And they didn't want that for their child. Yeah. I didn't live near a beach, so it wasn't really a problem. But I don't think I saw it until I was 16 or something. It was it was much later than it probably should have been. And that is the perfect... Uh, to me, it, it's such a good horror film because it is scary because of what you don't see more than what you do. Which I know is a classic horror trope, but Jaws... I think was one of the first to do that so effectively, and the looming we, danger. As you don't you see, you can't see it in the water half the time. Exactly. Well, and and we also know now from uh, seeing and hearing so many Spielberg uh, interviews and stuff that they made the film that way because the animatronic shark that they built never worked very well, and that was their <laughs> excuse of both keeping the budget down and not. <laughs> using that so much so that's why you have the and they did it so wonderfully no they, they, they did it do worked. it perfectly and honestly like i think that the uh, the suspense and the the scariness of watching people get dragged beneath the water without even seeing the shark is yeah. more scary than if you see it see i mean what was the the film the meg or whatever that recently yeah. came out yeah. that like that all of them you can see the giant jaws like coming My out and God, snapping that and, movie was so bad the ending the when the 
on the the uh, little underwater submarine little capsule thing like just bumps it and you just hear bunk and I was just like this is so bad uh, did you see the mag I don't think I no, no oh I okay not. I you uh, I, I I that was one where for a while my my like YouTube ads and stuff yeah. were nothing but the mag trailers so <laughs> I probably saw the best thirty seconds of the film because isn't that what they do for trailers uh. but. I wouldn't necessarily say any part of that movie was the best thirty seconds of that well, film, but you can only no, do but so apart, much. No, but I was going to say we we had this conversation off uh, off camera or off mic for I guess for the intents and purposes of the show. But um, I've only recently kind of gotten into horror. I've started seeing mm-hmm. more horror, and I think to me first and foremost, and it's the reason why Jaws is top on this list, is Jaws by itself is a fantastic movie and a fantastic story, and the characters are great and. The overall crafted through line of the film and the plot and everything is great, and it happens to have a couple of horror sequences that kind of and it accentuates and helps the story. Mm. But first and foremost, it has a fantastic story and a fantastic premise. Whereas I feel like a lot of horror films, they're there to scare you, to show blood and gore, to do like certain things, and the story is not necessarily always stellar is not always front and center yeah and all of the ones that are on my list i like to think are have the story kind of front and center barring number five which we'll talk about later um (laughs) we'll definitely be touching that one later yeah so what part of jaws would you would you put on the ride like i said this is gonna be the part that we're taking the bandit or gangster you know we need to get rid of leo or russell crowe or um huh so Gonna be honest, I haven't thought this one out. I would love to have them. You need a catalyst for them to get off the vehicle. Because I'm thinking, if you had a harbor or something, whether yeah. they decided that they were far enough away and this was a good time to get away, I would love to have them actually get eaten by an animatronic shark. Mm-hmm. Go down like a little slide <laughs> down the down the shark's mouth or whatever. You could always have them try to save the captain when the the shark is getting him, and then it just. Goes, you could, or they're the captain. You could have the tour guide on a boat, like, oh, excuse me, could you help me with this for yeah. a sec? And then he falls over, and then you have the, yeah. the fin falls over out of view, and then you have screams. We're and just falling on and, like a like a pad. Yeah, yeah. And you can add in a little. They hit a button that makes a splash sound or something. Oh my god, that, that would be probably fun. be the best course of action. I'd still love a big giant shark slide that they can go through and get eaten, but <laughs> I just want to ride a slide to work. <laughs> exactly, I just want to. Every every if you're gangster bandit every seven minutes go down a slide. One oh one. All right, Every, guys, everyone's okay. going to the everyone slide. Everyone just keeps <laughs> going down the slide. Yeah. I'm not bandit trying to get the new slide. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, that like that, be, I feel like that would be the new handprint hall or whatever oh as my well. God. If you, once you train on the ride, go down the you, slide. you get to go down the slide for the first time. And oh. sign the inside of his mouth or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. We could have his fin looming on the other side of the ride maybe or make it to where it's like going that way and then you see it come here and then yeah. the boat and then you don't see anything and it's disappeared. Ah, there's so many great ideas for that. I uh, specifically love the monologue that Captain gave. Um, I hadn't seen Jaws in its entirety until last year, mm-hmm. and it was summertime. And I was sitting with some friends and my wife, and we were watching it. And the movie was great, but that monologue happened, and I just got sucked in to the about story. when he first comes into the town hall and yeah. is talking about like, have you ever seen a shark? And no, when he's on, when they're on the boat and they're oh drunk. oh that one. And he 
he's talking to him about his past experiences and, and dealing with things, and you just hear about the horrors of the ocean and the sea. And oh yeah, okay, yeah, just, I, know, I know the monologue that you're talking oh about my now. Yeah, God, I was just in, 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 and then it ended. I was like, whoa. And then uh, he's been in another great movie, The Sting, with uh, Robert Redford and Paul mm-hmm. Newman. Um, that was a great film as well. I I love Jaws. I'm glad I finally got to see the whole thing. That would be a great horror spot to be rid of our gangster or bandit. So probably works better than our Leonardo DiCaprio or uh, Russell Crowe getting buttons sewn on their eyes because Coraline <laughs> would be the number two, and I don't know how we would make that work. Uh, we could always go through number three with Pennywise and be like, "Hello." <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Ugh. There, there's, there's, yeah. We'll be, we'll be fine with Jaws. Um, we're going into drama now, and where Tarzan and Casablanca would be, and you have girl with the dragon tattoo, and honestly, <laughs> I don't know if uh, it's, it's probably. I mean, I know we have like a shark just eating somebody, but there's a. This is a lot of darkness for Disney. Yeah, so we're uh, even Universal. It's a lot of darkness, so yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna shift forward a little bit. You have. Um, Quite a few good movies on this list. I haven't seen Your Name. Uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, which is in your top five. I feel like Memoirs of a Geisha might work I, I think it would, well too, for this. The, the drama that uh, it's not as extreme as, as Girl the Dragon. Yes. Too, definitely. That would be a nice... And you could even, with the ocean, transition from Jaws into, nicely into yeah. the seas of Japan and then ultimately into the Geisha house. Um, which, you know, depending on how... Some people look at it, it might be a little inappropriate, but if it's, you know... I mean, you, you would do it in the... You wouldn't do certain sequences. Of course. You would do others. It's more for the artistic value. Yes. Because well, the film and, was definitely artistic. I was going to say, and that's honestly why Memoirs of a Geisha is on my top five film list, is I think of all films that I've seen that might be the best cinematography mm-hmm. I've ever seen on any film, and that's one where also from the first... Uh, narration over of a uh, much older Sayuri kind of beginning to narrate and tell her childhood and from being sold by her parents to becoming a geisha, I've been hooked in. Um, but in terms of putting this on the ride, um, I feel like the sequence that you would want to do would be the... You've seen the film? I have not. You have not seen have the not, film. But I know Rob Marshall made it. Rob Marshall made it. John Williams did the score. And, uh, uh, this actually may be my favorite John Williams score of any I, film. I've heard it's great. And uh, it's actually, you're talking about the cinematography. It won Best Cinematography. It better have. It I did. actually didn't know that, but that it makes won me extremely best, uh, happy. Cinematography in 2006. And John Williams, I think, was either nominated or won for the, for the Oscar for it, mm-hmm. for, the, uh, for the best score, so... It's uh, he was nominated. He didn't win. Okay. It says uh, best best costumes. So yes, oh, for yeah, both cinematography. Ab- absolutely, yes. Colleen Atwood's a genius with costumes. Oh, that was Colleen Atwood. Yes, it was. Yes. She's wonderful. Yes, uh, I. It's another one of those that I've I've seen like it available on Prime mm-hmm. or Netflix, and I've just kind of like just passed it. It's it's not the fastest paced movie. Um, it it very it does take its time with story, which is not something that you commonly see in American cinema, mm. um, but was a very refreshing breath. Um, but it's just a beautiful story overall, um, and it's 
gorgeous to look at and the, with the music and everything it's just a, a wonderful experience all the way through i've seen like the trailer and i've seen clips yes. and it, it, it just looks beautiful every time i see it i just like again i have not just gotten around to see it and mm-hmm. i probably need to uh, i say that for everything i haven't watched i should watch that and, you know i want to watch everything yeah trust me i wish there was more time instead i'm doing this show about <laughs> movies i haven't seen no this is very well worthwhile uh, i know I, I think the listeners agree i i uh, likely hope so um we're going into animation and your list i love the diversity and the styles of animation well, of your so list. we've already said and off camera had this discussion i hate picking favorites everything that's on this list you may actually talk to me in real life and i'm like oh yeah i changed my mind since then with my animation list because i love animated films so much i purposefully chose kind of one from each of the big studios i appreciate that and your number three is actually i think my number three kubo and the two strings oh, i love that movie kubo so and much the two strings like a uh, like a production that you just recently did missing link is a phenomenal i still have not seen missing link and and we're going to talk about the next episode i saw it on your list uh it's a wonderful film and i i love kubo and I didn't expect Matthew McConaughey's voice to work as the way it did. I know. Because you think of him as a samurai, and I was like, eh. And then you watch it, and you're like, yep. <laughs> yep, perfect. But it's uh, it's pretty much the adventure of uh, this kid finding himself through the uh, through his parents and his, his legacy of his family. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, it's such a good film. Uh, but that, Spirit Away... Oh, sorry. No, uh, just fun thing uh, to point out. Kubo and the Two Strings was the first, I'm not sure if it won, it was the first animated film to be nominated for Best Costume Design what? for the Oscar. That's right! Because it's... It, because of the stop motion. Well, yeah, yeah, because like a stop motion, it, they physically had to make all of the costumes. I I'm not sure if it won. That. I think I'm, it did. But I want to say My wife did. makes costumes for a living, so uh, we were both extremely impressed. We were both very impressed by Leica in general, but... It was nominated for... It was not nominated for costumes, it was but not? it was nominated for visual effects. Okay, that I knew. And then Best Animated. It did not okay. win, but it, it was nominated for both in 2017. What was it up against for Oscar? Because I feel like that should have won. I have no idea. It was idea. probably whatever the Pixar was that year. Probably. Which is still under... Like, I love Pixar. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking Kubo definitely should have won. So never mind, that was a lie. <laughs> I don't know what won that year, but uh, you don't deserve it. Kubo does. Sorry, I don't care who Kubo you are. Kubo does. Yeah, Kubo. I I love that film so much. I I think we took. I think my wife and I went out for her birthday that night for dinner, and that was like the only good movie playing, mm-hmm. and we watched it, and both the media were like. Yeah, I want to watch that again. That was so good. That, that was one that uh, my wife and I, we wanted to see it in theaters, and we just didn't have the time. But then when we inevitably saw it when it came out, it was, we, oh, it was so good. Did you buy it and then watch it, or did you see it when it came out, and you're like, we have to buy that? We rented it, and actually I haven't purchased it yet, but I want to. Because this wrong with that. definitely deserves to be uh, yeah, in my personal collection. It's, uh... It's one of the best animated movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything they've done, Laika, has been wonderful. Box Trolls, Missing Link, mm-hmm. uh, of course, Coraline. Everyone loves Coraline. Um, wonderful film. And uh, you had, you do have Spirited Away. We already talked a lot about we Spirited did. Away. And then How to Train Your Dragon is your number yes, two on that's, animation. That's that's my top DreamWorks. Uh, actually, Prince of Egypt might be my top, but How to Train Your Dragon deserves 
the love that it gets because uh, DreamWorks really did such a fantastic job crafting a uh, wonderful, lovable, kind of boy and his dog story, but it's boy and his dragon. Boy and his dragon, yeah. <laughs> um, and the unlikely friendship that comes from that and ultimately ends up saving both his Viking clan and uh, the dragons as a whole. And also his relationship with his father. Yes, uh, yeah, yes. That, uh, at least the first one. Um, Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. Oh, I love him. Uh, Kuo and Two Strings. Hercules. 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 Hercules uh, is... I don't even know if it's fair to say it's an underrated Disney film, but I feel like so many people gravitate towards Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast and stuff, yeah. and of the 90s, of that kind of rebirth Disney renaissance, Hercules is my personal favorite. Every time I watch it, it just gets better. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but I, I definitely uh, enjoy that film. Uh, Wally is your number five. That is one of my that's, favorite animated. It's probably my favorite Pixar film. That's my favorite Pixar film, and that's an unpopular choice typically. So I'm glad that I'm not the uh, I, I I'm not the only one. It's the, the oh. silent nature and the how much emotion Pixar can get from no dialogue and characters that don't really have facial expressions. Beep, to boop, be honest, yep. yeah, just beep boops, but. It tells one of the best love stories like that I've seen on screen. It does, and I and I love the fact that it's telling us to get off our fat butts and do something. Uh huh. And save the planet. And save the planet. Yes. Recycle has all of the all the messages that America needs. It does. Um. So out of the five, I mean, you could put anything in animation. What would you do? Well, and, uh, just so we're on the same page, animation. This is going where Fantasia was mm -hmm. originally on Movie Rides. So you could do animatronics. You okay, could do, but I do I've, anything you want. This sequence I've actually thought out. If it's in the Fantasia spot, yep. So typically you have Sorcerer Mickey on the old swirl that was originally going to be the tornado for the Wizard tornado, of Oz yep. before that didn't happen on the ride. Um, so I would put Spirited Away here, and the sequence that I would do is that entire curved side where Mickey normally is would be a scrim that would have projected the night sky on there, and you would have Chihiro riding on Haku the dragon oh. going across, but then halfway as you're going around that turn, Haku would break away into the scales once she guesses his name, and the scrim would become rear lit and you would see the animatronics of them kind of floating or oh, falling in the sky of human Haku and Shigeru holding hands going from a while you have the, to while you have the Joe Hizashi score going and yeah oh going for yeah going from the uh, animation to the animatronic yes. I'm sorry that is a cool idea I uh, the transition I'm sure would be pretty awesome too uh, and a wonderful spiritual uh, celebration of that film yes I I want to. Can we build it right now? Please? I, I'm in. I'm in. Well, let's, we. Let's I was going to say we've got a railway opening in a couple of weeks, <laughs> so I don't think that option's on the table anymore. But I'm excited for the cast, and I. I I'm not going to lie. I am. I'm optimistic for what that ride will. I'm glad do. the building's getting used again. I'm not glad it's not still movie ride. <laughs> no, that's I'd, it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No hate, but. No love either. No, we we, we did lose. I don't know. We did lose a gem of an attraction. You had so much room to do other things, in other places. Oh uh, so we're gonna go into comedy, and comedy's taking the place of Wizards of Oz because <sighs> the ride didn't really visit it. I know I've said it so many times on mm -hmm. the show that the listeners probably get it, but just to kind of reiterate the reason why we're visiting it here. But what Wizard of Oz did is provide this lovely interactive piece before we went into the finale. Yes. And uh, so while visiting comedy, I try to pick one on the list of the five that would be interactive enough. Yes. And, and good I'm... for us, the first one is 
Um, unfortunately for us, the ride does not go 88 miles per hour, and so we will not be going in anywhere time traveling wise. But Back to the Future is your favorite comedy. I knew this had to be on the list, and I'm gonna be honest, comedy is not my favorite of the movie genres. So I was, I, I actually struggled a little bit to come up with um, five comedies or whatever that that I like. But Back to the Future, I think, was a good fits list. into that, and Back to the Future always makes me laugh every time I watch it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it fits. Um, man, yeah, and again, I guess I really do keep gravitating towards Spielberg's. That's another... It was a well, this is Zemeckis. It was Zemeckis, but yeah. wasn't it Spielberg produced? Yes. I was going to say Amblin was involved. Um, definitely going toward Universal Pictures. How dare you? No, I'm kidding. Hey. I'm kidding, I'm the, kidding, I'm kidding. Back, kidding. To, back to the Future is better than Simpsons. <laughs> I said it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I still wish I could have read the Back to the Future ride. I never got to. I actually never did either. I've uh, written it in Well, spirit, let's make but... our own. Exactly. So what would you do here with Back to the Future? And everyone listening has had to have seen this movie. If not, um, have a nice day. Uh, so no, the, well, and that's where if this needs there. to be interactive... I'm not sure if we should go Enchantment Under the Sea dance with Johnny Be Good. That would be fun. Or in kind, and I guess my thoughts there with it being Wizard of Oz and kind of a musical sequence mm-hmm. with stuff, um, you could do that. Versus, I feel like it would be difficult to stage something with the DeLorean and with Doc outside in that big of a sequence, especially knowing you have two vehicles. Yeah, but you could have it to where the witch, where the witch was, or what something like that the interaction with the witch your he turns to you and you guys are quote unquote marty or whoever's at the lead is marty mm-hmm. and you know he's maybe like plugging up for the the the, the courthouse mm-hmm. and the clock tower and all that and uh, ooh that could be good and so like there's lightning going on the storm's about to come and he's Oh, Marty, you gotta do the thing. And I don't remember the whole quote. Uh, I'm really bad with quotes. Horrible with quotes. Uh, but just that going in there and the lightning storm. It would definitely going on, no. It would definitely either be Clock Hill, Tower, Hill Valley. You, you're running into Hill Valley, and there he is with the tower. And oh, we, we've got this amount of time to do this. And, and then right when the lightning strikes, the vehicles go not 88, not 88, four, but you move, but you move. Unless you're blo- unless you're uh, you're backed up, then that would be that would be super awkward if you have the lightning strike and you're supposed to go and you don't move because uh, people like, have because people haven't boarded on dock. It would be just as bad as the Munchkins finishing the song and you're still there and you're like, just "How like, is everyone doing today? I'm dancing. What about you?" But at least the Munchkins vamp enough that you get that. Yeah, the lightning's. Uh, I don't know. We could be like, oh, back to the drawing board. Let's play a game. <laughs> oh, look, it worked, Doc. Bye. In silence as you leave. I got it fixed. Uh, just for that now, I, I want to do that. And then you can, you can have Hue- Well, you know, you, you, you can then have Huey Lewis back in time vamping a little bit yeah. if you don't move. So you, you can cover it. It'll be. There's, 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 no, I want it to be silent. and <laughs> Silent. Well, it'll only vamp for so long. And awkward. They could have just kept the music going until we hit a center, but no. <laughs> well, I uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show and talking. You you got to you got to be uh, 
in in the last one too. No other guest has been on. Yeah, I hijacked. On a couple. Oh, you didn't hide. Yeah, you just you got here early. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Uh, but no, it was great having you. And we're gonna talk next episode about some uh, films that inspired you beyond favorites, scores, directors, and uh, my new questions that have been going. Um, I have to make sure that your answers stayed the same since I literally just asked them to you recording this. So. Yeah, and I definitely have not thought about those whatsoever <laughs> during this discussion. Well, you got time to so. look it over. Thanks for listening to the Great Movie Radio Show, everyone. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, YouTube. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. The Great Movie Radio Show is recorded in Orlando, Florida. You can visit our website at www.thegmrshow.com. Art direction and logo design provided by Mr. Bayless. Voiceover and intro work provided by Dave Feske and Joe Erickson. You can find our podcast on multiple platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and many more. Music provided by the YouTube Audio Library. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search The Great Movie Radio Show or The GMR Show. This has been The Great Movie Radio Show. We hope you enjoy your day, and we'll see you at the movies. The stuff dreams are made of. Goodbye, everyone. You have been listening to a GMR Radio production.